We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land this podcast is recorded on and pay our respects to Elders past, present and Aboriginal Elders emerging. Welcome to the Vale Podcast. Local people, local news, local stories. So podcast day this week was a disaster from the time the sun came up and you can get all of those gory details on the website. But the saving grace of the day was that I got to have a chat to this bloke. Rod McKenzie, or Cod Mac, or the Cod Father, Cod God, Messiah, however you refer to him, he's still local to our region, and despite travelling all over the country and the world fishing, he still lives just down the road at Menangatang. And he started his cod fishing around the Robinvale area, and it's always been one of his favourite spots to fish for cod, even though he's caught a few big ones with this bloke from iFish. Rod, how pretty is this place? Mate, it's a beautiful place, isn't it? And you're telling me this is where the big cod live? This is where the big cod lives, Paul. You just check out that beautiful river, all the snags, crystal clear water. It's a time of year when we get our biggest fish, mate. So the million dollar question, Rod, where are we? Because people are going to want to know where they're going to catch a big cod. Well, that is the million dollar question. And if somebody sends me a million bucks to Monangatang, <laughs> I'll answer can, I'll tell them, I'll tell but them. But this is the Murray River. This is the Murray River, mate. And this can happen along a lot of sections of the Murray River. It's not just one spot, it's many spots. It's just up to the anglers to get out on the water and have a go. All about perseverance. Now, we're actually fishing with surface lures for cod. The way I think about it, that's probably the hardest way to catch them. Why are we doing that? Well, I think it's because it's so shallow here and the water's so clear that big Murray cod, they're a big predator, Um, a duck, some rain, (laughs) a platypus, something like that that's big. They're more inclined to come out and have a strike at it, and they've never seen it before. Uh, in the past, most anglers are only using small surface lures. Yep. Um, we're, we're getting into stuff about this big now, and it's and it's. Uh, Is that the fish you're catching or the lures? The lures, mate. <laughs> we might get a couple of fish this big, but we're more likely to get one this big. So. Sensational. The rain's not going to bother the fish. Well, not at the moment. I'd like to see this disappear, and we know it's going to, and the barometer will go up, and we're a real shot. I think it's time to put the billy on, set up the swag. This is what fishing is all about. It's changed a bit in recent history, but in this podcast, we talk about those changes and the potential to bring it back. We talk about what cod like to eat, you might be surprised, bait fishing, the cod he caught on camera with Paul and the iFish crew, the vehicle he drives when he's going to throw a line in, and of course, how lucky we are to live on this stretch of the Murray River. We owe a huge amount of thanks to the legends at iFish, who upon receiving one little email and the mention that we're doing a podcast with Rod McKenzie, we just asked permission to use some of their audio, they dropped everything found what I was looking for and had it to me the same day. So tune in to the 500th episode of iFish this Sunday at four in our part of the world or watch it on 10 play. Please enjoy this week's episode of The Veil with Rod Codmack McKenzie. Let's talk about the beauty of the Murray River because it is still a beautiful place to be regardless of what's going on with the politics surrounding it. Where where are we going to go to catch the big fish? Well, the big fish, there are some big fish still around in some areas. I know from Swan Hill through to Boundary Bend, there are still some big metre-plus cod to catch. Mm. Um, locally around Robin Vale, um, Cold Coal, uh, Weeman, there are still fish there to, say, the biggest I've heard is around 75 centimetres in the last few years. Mm. But they're starting to catch quite a few now on bait and lures in that, say, 45 to 80 
oh, 75, 80 centimetre range. Yep. Um, so above that, like you've got a split slot limit for Murray's cod. If you want to keep one for the table, it's got to be between 55 and 75 centimetres. So if you're looking to take the family camping and, and maybe catch yourself a feed of Murray's cod, then um, Robin Vale, Lehman, um, Toltol, Belsters Island, all that area, um, is, you're, you're a fair chance. And who knows, you might even come across a big fish that nobody's found. Um, we haven't heard of any big fish in the last few years. But uh, they will continually grow these fish. They grow fairly fast. I know there was a bloke that pulled up. Actually, Bucky, the the council depot boss here in Robinvale, pulled a 92, 92 or 94 centimetre cod out of the river near Swan Hill. So, you know, upstream a little bit. But um, he pulled a big old cod out of the river last weekend with his kids. Yeah, no, there's, like I said, that Swan Hill um, area missed the last black order event. The last black order event come in by a Yanga. Uh, through the Murrumbidgee and down in um, where the Murrumbidgee connects to the Murray. So that's coming from the junction. So it sort of cleaned out all the big fish from there downstream again. Yeah. Um, Robin was at the stage where we were starting to get back up towards the same size fish that Swan Hill has got. Mm. We were starting to get back up towards the metre size fish again, mm. uh, which will, of course, were wiped clean in the 2010-11 Blackwater event. So... Um, hopefully, like I said, hopefully our next flood is not a black water event and the fish that we've now got that are getting up to that 75, 80 centimetres, they, in another two or three years, in four years, they'll be pushing the metre themselves. So we'll start to get back to seeing some really big fish around Robinvale again. I cannot tell you how happy I am. Rod, the rain has cleared. I've set up my little camp and we are having a well-deserved beer by the fire. Yes, mate, it's very nice, isn't it? It is. Now, to me, this is the romance of cod fishing. Getting out here by the river, there's not a sound except for cockatoos, fire crackling, just amazing. Mate, I know it's a big ask, but do you think we're actually a chance of catching the monster we're here for? Because some people it takes them 50 years if they're lucky. Mate, you're always a chance. And as I said, at this time of the year, on the surface, um, yeah, I'm pretty confident. So you would have caught a lot of metre cod in your life. Yeah. How many hours would you put in fishing per metre cod? Now, I know it's a tough one, yeah, but no. give me, is, is it one, is it 50, is it 100? Oh, look, I, I sort of, when I go away, Paul, I think if I could get at least one shot a day, it's pretty good. Yep. Some days are better, some days are worse. So, like, you average it out and you say, like, at least one shot at a big fish a day. And speaking about big fish, what is the biggest fish you've physically laid your eyes on all these years in the water? I got a metre 55. That's the biggest fish I've ever seen. Um, I've seen a fair few over a metre 40, a lot of metre 30s, and heaps over a metre, mate. So, so obviously metre's the magic mark, but that's like a 1,000 pound mile, and then people try to get that 1,200, 1,400, and then the, the, the curve just goes like this. There's not many on the bell-shaped curve over that. What is it with cod? Is it like if you get over a metre 20, that's just crazy, like one in 10,000 fish maybe? If you're a keen cod angler and you do actually get a metre 20, mate, I reckon you could almost pack the rod away. Scary. I want that big fish, but I don't want to give up fishing. Now I'm a bit torn. You know what? I'll give it a crack. So time to start thinking about investing in a fishing boat. What are you catching fish on at the moment? I, I'm sort of I'm not catching cod at the moment because the season's closed, mm. but in a couple of weeks, time that's right i'll be yeah depending on the water clarity if it's not great water clarity um i'll bait fish and i have no problem with bait fishing i, I actually find it very relaxing um and 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 all your baits like your body grubs uh, 
yabbies, scrub worms all work very well. But over the last probably eight, nine, ten years, anglers have sort of found that Murray Cotter are quite partial to kitchen bait like uh, cheese and chicken. In fact, um, last season, I know of one angler that fished below Yarrawonga in the Murray River um, when the river actually rose towards the end of the season, and he caught something like 15 cod over a metre in about a three- or four-week period on dim sim. What? Dim sims? Dim sim. <laughs> yeah, so Seriously? I don't know whether they were cooked or whether they were cooked. <laughs> I was going to say, were they fried or steamed? No, I don't know, and I don't know how he got him on the hook, but he had a very good run of big fish on Dim Sim. So, um, I mean, cheese has been no secret for a long time, but mm. um, just of recent years, chicken fillets are fantastic. Um, anything that seems to be a little bit oily, Murray Cod seems to like the taste of. Mm. So, Imagine yeah, what, so, you could, what you could catch on a Chico roll. Well, maybe. <laughs> it's just upside down. That's what you need for the big one. But, uh, <laughs> so, so when the water's a bit dirty, I use bait. Mm. Um, or if I'm throwing a line in at camp at night time, you know, sit back and watch the fishing rod as I have a few beers, I'll use bait. Um, but most of my fishing is done with lures. Um, when the water clarity is good, you tend to catch much bigger fish on lures, especially surface lures. They're lures that paddle across the top and uh, giant Murray cod think they're ducks or water rats and, and they will actually come up and try and engulf them off the surface. So we do, we do a lot of that um, now. They and, try and uh, engulf ducks and, and yeah, no, wildlife. Yeah, they eat ducks, no worries. Do ducks, they? Water rats, any sort of, anything that's big enough to fit in their gob is on the menu. And um, yeah, they'll book a duck straight off the top, um, usually in periods of low light. You'll, you'll probably notice, well, I don't know whether you've noticed on the river, in the morning, the ducks don't usually go onto the water until the sun's a fair way up. Mm. Right? You won't, you normally won't see them cruising around on the water at first light, mm. uh, especially where in a couple of places where we get a lot of big cod off the surface early in the morning. Rarely do the ducks hop on the water until about nine o'clock, nine thirty, um, when they are fairly confident that all the big cod that are cruising around waiting for them to hop on the water have. Uh, sunk back down to this bag, so. Are we going to catch a cod? I hope so, mate. But not only do I hope we're going to catch a cod, I hope we're going to get one off the surface. Now, that's a big call because cod, they do feed on the surface. In fact, a friend of mine the other day said he saw a cod eat a duck. They'll actually come off the snags in the surface light. That's it. Boof, gone. So, uh, yeah, we sort of got the right time, bit of low light, and we'll sneak down and see what happens. They're quite the predator. Um, unbeknownst. A lot of people. So. Unbeknownst to me, I had no idea that they were a predatory yeah. fish. Yeah, no, they're, they're very fascinating. And um, like I said, I've spent for over 30 years now um, targeting giant cod, and some of the things I've seen is just totally amazing. I remember one season I caught two cod, and they weren't monster fish, they were up around that 60 pound mark, but mm. both of them regurgitated a cormorant at different, at different stages of decomposition. What are they called decomposition or whatever yeah, it is? Yeah. Um, it was actually quite um, <laughs> quite smelly. <laughs> the cormorant had seen as quite a big bird, and um, yeah, they had no trouble eating one of them. So, Jeez. Um, How would they even to... get one of them, though? Oh, they swim under the water. They chase bait fish, and I guess the big old cod is sitting down on his log while that cormorant's focused chasing after a bait fish might swim straight in, in the road of him, and they're very fast, they're lightning fast. Mm. Um, yeah, he would just he would just catch it just like he would a fish, and um, that would be the end of the cormorant. 
Wow. That's yeah, incredible. So, yes, they're a very opportunistic feeder. And at the same time, they can be very fussy. They, if they don't want to bite, they won't bite. I was going to say, um, I thought cod were, because we, like, when we take the kids fishing, they don't want to touch worms and stuff because, meh, they're kids or whatever. But, so we use the cheese thing. So I just kind of thought cod were hoity-toity fish that liked a wine and a cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about the wine, but they definitely like cheese. Well, um, they liked him Sim, so who's to say, Rob? <laughs> no, they'll eat just about anything, but it's when they will eat it's the problem. It's, um... That, that they're affected a lot by different different things like river level barometric pressure is a really big one. If it's a stable barometric pressure, they don't seem to feed as well. If it's a dropping barometric pressure, they won't bite very well. Mm. Um, the best bite comes just after a change in the weather. Yep. And, and the barra starts to climb like from 1,003, say, and it starts to climb up towards 1,020. Yep. There's a fish, on, you know, there seems to be a fish on every log. And it's the same with them. Um, we find in the weir pools over the years, we've found that, you know, you'll go up there for a couple of days fishing and can't get a bite. And then the next morning you catch like four or five fish over a metre on lures in the same spot you fished the day before. And you get a lot of hits and they just seem to appear from nowhere. And then within about 12 hours, a rise in water hits. So they feel that pressure wave of water. Yeah, right. Speed up really vigorously before it even gets there. Once it's there, it's finished. Yep. Um, but they they can detect that pressure wave for at least twelve to probably eighteen hours before it arrives. Um, and I've seen it so many times. But people will say, "Well, how would they know?" But when you see these, when you're on the water all the time, you see a lot of things that other people don't see, mm. including the environmental scientists, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was a nice little uppercut there, Rod. Well done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah we, just, we just tend to see a lot of stuff, um, you know, and it's the same with people that live there, you know. You get told how rivers react and what happens, and, and then you talk to the old the old farmers and, and, and the people that actually lived and, and, and fished and worked on the river, and, and, and they'll tell you a different thing, you know. I think, you know, if you want to do anything with the river, these people should be salted, not... Not, not some young uni student with a sharp pencil and uh, learn everything out of a book, you know. You're not the only one that's saying that there's a lot of people. Even, you know what, even the human body can detect when there's going to be, when there's changes in uh, barometric pressure and stuff. If you've got arthritis or you've had surgery on a joint, they yes. hurt before a, a change in the weather. People don't believe me, but... You, no, you... it's very true. I've, I've actually had a back operation to that disc, and if there's a really big... Drop in the barometric pressure, I get that. Yep. I that. Yep. And it's, it's not my imagination. I just know because I'm like, ah, open pocket knife until until the barrel starts to go up again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's uh, exactly right. My, my knees never lie. I always say that. My knees are to be trusted well before the Bureau of Meteorology. Yes. Mm. <laughs> Perhaps you should be getting these paid the money they're getting. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> hey, um, I, I texted my brother-in-law this morning, who is a mad keen fisherman, and I said, oh, I'm on the phone with Rod McKenzie today, Pud. If you want to ask him a couple of questions, just send them to me. He goes, first of all, you need to address him properly with his proper name. And I went, hang on, his name's Rod, isn't it? I'm sure it's Rod. Everyone knows Rod. He goes, no, Rod the Messiah, McKenzie. <laughs> I'd like to get myself a closer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, he sent me a heap of questions, and I think we've covered most of them. But Paul from iFish 
has just filmed yep. 500 episodes of, of iFish. Yes. What do you think of what he's doing for the fishing industry? And have you got a, a DVD, another DVD coming out anytime soon? Um, we haven't got another DVD. I'll hit that one on the head pretty quick. Okay. Not yet. Mm-hmm. Um, we will be doing another one, I would imagine. What about um, a YouTube channel? Um, I do have a YouTube channel somewhere. My young bloke set it up, but I don't use it very much. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, there is stuff there. If you go hunt, you'll find some stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul Wilson, I've done three shows with Paul Wilson, three or four. Um, Paul, Paul has done a lot of fishing. He's an absolute great ambassador. And um, a really good bloke. I mean, yeah, what you see on the show is not necessarily what you get. He's, he has to act all excited and, it, it, you know, it's what the public wants to see. And, um, you know, he takes you to so many destinations. He teaches you so much. Um, and, yeah, I've had the good fortune with to fish with him, like I said, three or four times. And we actually caught probably the biggest Murray Cod off the surface ever filmed on television at a... 124 centimetres on our last trip. So, um, yeah, we've had good trips together. Oh, yes! Oh, 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 oh Rod, how's the shotgun? Boof! And on, Paul. How good was oh, that? Oh, a lot of timber down there. Oh, it's on the timber. I saw oh, the tail. I actually saw yep. three quarters of him come out of the water. Big tail splash. He'll That's be a, a mate. serious fish. Look at him. That is amazing. And this is what it's about, Paul. We've waited a long time for this. You got that net, Jamie? Swing it up. We've waited a while. Oh, Oh, he's a a horse. Big fish. He is a horse. That's a beast. How's the take? Amazing. (laughs) Amazing. Look at that. Oh, no. He's just pinned in the the rubber. He's only just caught, too. That was absolutely epic. Come on, big fella, give it up. Oh, it's well pinned, it's well pinned. Look at that for an incredible fish. And Rod, I reckon that was about your 537th cast. I was getting up towards the amount that we were talking about earlier. Oh, look at that. All right, let's bring him in. Look at that. Holy snapping. Murray Cod, <laughs> that is gold. Mate, how's the size of that thing? Even the cockatoos are singing. <laughs> and he's, he's a beast. He's a good fish, mate, isn't he? How do we get him out of the well, net? <laughs> we'll work on, work on getting this lure out first. Yeah, so just watch him. Sweet. That is just a horse. When that fish come up, he literally come out. I saw, the first thing I saw was, was from there to there, sticking straight up in the air, Rod. Let's not let him get back in the group. <laughs> that is... The Aussie legend. And I'm not talking about Rod McKenzie, I'm talking about this Murray Cod. And they're pretty hardy fish, they sit out of the water okay? They are, mate. It's better in the winter when their metabolism's down a bit. Yep. Uh, but generally not a problem. And we put in a lot of cast today. You knew this was going to happen, didn't you? I hoped it was, mate. It's all about the work, Paul. Yep. Um, if these fish were easy, everyone would be doing it. That's exactly right. And I said from day dot, it's all about persistence. And a fish like this, this is a fish of a lifetime, It is, right? it is, mate. And it's so worth every cast. Just keep trying. And surface lures, they've changed cod fishing a bit. They have, mate. A lot of people out doing it now, and it's, and it's reaping some very big fish like this. Well, this is a Murray Cod, just in case you've just tuned in. Probably the most iconic freshwater fish in Australia, if not the world. And I'm very, very blessed because I'm fishing with the gun, Rod the Cod God. Rod, <laughs> you are an absolute champion. 
I would bow to you, but I'm already kneeling. <laughs> Love your work, mate. That is cod gold. That was uh, in the Murray River. Well, okay, it was in the Murray River. You're not going to tell us where exactly. You're not going to give away any of your secrets, are you? Uh, it was downstream of uh, Yarrawonga. Um, yeah, we, just, we, we only had two hits in two days. And um, they're normally big fish bites. And that one was 124 centimetres. And we've missed another one that, you know, it, it showed half its body and it would have been well over a metre as well. So, um, but that's, you know, one fish like that makes the show. It's a good show to watch too. Anybody can watch that, even if you're not really into into fishing. So, no. cod opening is this weekend. There's a few rules and regulations when you're out camping and things. Oh, sorry, not this weekend. It's the 1st of December, <laughs> isn't it? Sorry. I'm a week ahead of myself. I'm always a week ahead of myself. <laughs> You're, you're right. So there's some rules and regulations as far as, and we tried to get um, someone from Parks Victoria to come on this week, but they're too busy with because of the total fire ban today and all the rest of it. But what do you think about the restrictions on what you can and can't burn, first of all? Well, yeah, I know. I come from a time where, you know, some of my oil would come in on the back of the ute with a chain wrapped around it yeah. and actually burn for three or four days. But yeah. I've got to be realistic that, um, you know, we do have to manage our fires a little bit more um, smart. Yeah. Um, and we do have to, you know, with the fires that we're seeing at the moment and all that sort of stuff, we've got to be a little bit wary of that sort of stuff too. So I don't really have too big of a problem with the, with the you know, the clearing of the fire and, and making sure that you're not dragging trees in and, and, and burning huge stuff. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm just thankful that we're still allowed to have fires along the river mm. um, and that we can still go up and camp for free. You know, these things that, I thought would have been changed by now. I have no doubt they will in the future, the way that um, everything's been locked up and, and the way things are quickly changing. Everything's about making money now. There's nothing there's nothing left that's really free for us, you know, and mm. um, if they can take a quid out of it or not have to look after it, it seems to be the way they, they push, push the cart, you know. So we're very lucky to have what we have at the moment and, um, yeah, I, I just say to everybody, just enjoy it while you can. Yeah, that's it. Where are we at with sustainable fishing and a sustainable river system, in your opinion? I think, look, in the last 10 years, we've seen, and, and most of the locals would realise, we've seen the two biggest blackwater events we've ever seen in the history of the Murray-Darling Basin. Um, you can go on and Google blackwater events, you'll get nothing like what we've had in our last two floods. Um, it's the, the blackwater's wiped out hundreds kilometres of giant Murray cod. It spares a lot of the smaller fish, um, but it seems to kill them larger Murray cod, your big breeders, um, your legend-sized fish. Uh, I guess they need more oxygen. They've got a bigger um, gill capacity and all that sort of stuff, and it just seems to knock them over, and it's done, it's done a lot of damage to our rivers, I believe. Um, yeah, I've never seen anything like it, and it's, it's taken a lot, a lot of them big fish out of our water. So what's the solution, do you think? What do you think, what, what's the solution short-term and then long-term? I'm really not sure. I mean, this is up to the Murray-Darling Basin Authority. They're the ones in control of all this water. They're in control of all these environmental flows. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure there is, well, probably not in control, probably not the, not the right term for it. They're, they're looking over it, but um, we seem to be um, watching things just slowly disintegrate. I mean... For example, the Darling River, like that's all but gone now, um, mm. and the fish that were in it, which is the Darling's one of the biggest breeding sanctuaries for Murray cod and golden perch in the whole system, and it's been pretty much 
wiped clean. I mean, that's the future of our tissue. Mm. Um, so you can take that away. Um, if we keep having blackwater events every time we have a flood, then there'll be no breeding. And if we've got no breeding, we've got no future fish. Um, and it kills all the big fish. Mm. So sooner or later, you've got to run out of fish, you think, if it happens every single time. Now, these guys say they know what they're doing, but, um, yeah, it doesn't really look like it from what I've seen from a fishing perspective. Um, you know, this environmental watering, I mean, I understand the forest need water and, and, and all of that sort of stuff to regenerate. Um, but it's not it's not the true definition of a flood. As, as you know, I've seen plenty of floods in my lifetime. A flood rises, goes out into the bush, reaches out as far as it reaches, and then it slowly comes back down. These environmental floods are put a levee bank in, pump it full of water, and let it sit there for months at a time. It's, it's not the true definition of a flood. It's, it's damming up water and holding it in its tub, and I'm not sure of the long-term effects that that has. I'm not sure that, you know, I guess they've researched it. They tell me they have, and mm. uh, there's no problem. But, dude, you've got to sort of put two and two together. Since this started happening, we have seen the two biggest blackwater events in the history of the Murray-Darling Basin. You know, it's, it's a bit of a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, well, a coincidence is an interesting adjective to use, I think, to describe it. But um, we won't we won't harp on that too much. Um, so you drive a Ford Ranger when you go off fishing, don't you, from Piney yes, Ford? Yes, I do. Yes, I you, do. Do you love it? I do, mate. This is my. I had a Courier, and I had Ford's first Ranger, and this is my second Ranger, and they have been the best vehicles I've ever owned. Um. Yeah, our courier is still going with four hundred and thirty thousand on the clock. Wow! And it, it and it still runs and it's still on the original motor and um, yeah. So I can't really fault and it gets me to where I need. You know, I do a lot of hard fishing like beach fishing, where I have to actually drive in through the sand dunes, four wheel drive, and that sort of stuff. It's not a problem with a full load. You just whip in to the beach and whip out a little bit of air out of the tire. Um, it's pretty important if you do the fishing. The amount of fishing I do and the locations I go, I need a good vehicle. Yep. Because a lot of times I'm well out bush and, you know, you can't tell if it's going to rain or, you know, things are going to be wet and you get sticky and boggy. You've got to be able to get in and out. You've got to be able to put your boat in on banks that yeah, you can nearly abseil down, you know. Mm. Um, you know they, they don't build concrete ramps out in the bush for you. So you need a good vehicle. And um, I cannot fault that. Did Jock learn to, to drive a car in the old Courier? He did. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I did, I, he started in, 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 in his grandfather's van, his milk van, which he used to call the scary van. The scary van? The scary van, because it used to have these spiders and stuff living in it. Oh, I thought you said fairy van. Scary van makes, nah. makes sense. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> uh, he started in that, and uh, he progressed to the to the courier and yeah, I picked it up pretty quick. He was fairly easy to teach. Well, that's good. And now he's working at Piney Ford. So it's like a it's like a roman- romantic love story or something like that, isn't it? Footnote. If you haven't put two and two together by now, Rod's son is Jock, who works at one of the show's biggest supporters, Pioneer Ford. Yeah. Little Jock that sells the cars to you. That's Rod's son. So where are you heading for cot opening? Uh oh I can't. Like, oh, come <laughs> on, give us I'm something. Going, I'm going to Rod's speaker spot, but if, if I was going locally around Robinvale, mm. um, yeah, certainly I know there's been a few fish down Weeman Way, a few cod caught in the lead up to the open on bait. Yep. 
nice fish up to 65, 70 centimetres, which are good table fish. Yep. Um, um, upstream at Toll Toll, I was actually up there a couple of weeks ago and I picked up all cod. Really? That would have been, that would have been spies mm. on, on bait um, while I was fishing for perch. I've got a couple of nice perch too, so bit of a mixed bag out that way. Robin Braille itself up around the Nine Mile and stuff that, you know, there's bound to be a few nice cod there to be caught. Um, some some good camping spots around there too. So mm, mm. all worth a look. If you're looking for a bit bigger fish, probably from, um, say, around Swan Hill, down through Swan down, down through some of that water. That's um, also very good water down that way. So a bit bigger fish. Um, if you're looking for somewhere that's really exploring a week after the cod open, mm. then the Mulwala Cod Opening Classic Fishing Competition is on. It's the 20th year. Um, they used to have about 3,000 entrants. Wow. I think, I think they have, it might be 150,000, it might be more than that worth of cash and prizes, including 10 boats and motors. Wow. That's an it, enormous it, prize pool. It, and they have like a, um, excuse me, they have like a, a marquee set up on the on the weekend of the event with um, boat dealers, founders, fishing equipment, lure makers, pizza cookers. It's yeah, Australia's casting competition. Um, it's a massive event, but it's yeah, if if you only ever do it once, I'll guarantee you, you won't be disappointed. Um, I go I go every year and do a. Uh, Cod talk there on the Friday night, um, and generally for the weekend they get more than probably five thousand people come and go to the football oval where the, the big marquees and that are all set up. And um, yeah, it's a great, you know, a family event as well. You, all you got to do is catch fish. Yeah, uh, catch a legal. It's not for the biggest cod. Um, you catch a, a legal size cod mm. and take it to a, a weighing station. Yep, which is, got it all around the lake. They measure it. They take your number and your ticket goes in the in the barrel. Mm. So if there's a hundred Murray cod caught for the for the comp, there's one in a hundred chance you'll win one of four or five boats. Wow, that is awesome. That's huge, isn't yeah. it? Yes, and the other prizes just there's yeah, it's you could go on today just about the other prizes that are up for grabs. It's very, very popular. It shows the popularity of cod fishing too with some you know, next to Barramundi, I would say that Murray Cod are the most highly sought fish in Australia. Yeah, so, they're a good sport fish, aren't they? Yeah, they're just, I think, size of them too. It's, it's the, they're a living legend, you know, they're most the biggest freshwater fish in the world. And um, I actually had a guy, I've had a few guys come out from overseas now, a, a guy called Jacob Wagner. You can actually Google him. He's, on, he's from Europe, from the Czech Republic. He's actually on Dancing with the Stars over there. Moment and uh, he's a worldwide angler, he fishes all over the world. And he came out and spent a week fishing for Murray Cod with me a few years back and um, caught four or five over a meter for his TV show. Um, and then returned the favor, and I went over there and spent 10 days with him catching giant catfish in the Czech Republic. So, yeah, fishing could take you anywhere. Wow, you know? that's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, the people I've met and the places I've been because of fishing. Yeah, I just, just yeah, things you wouldn't believe. No, yeah. I've got a picture of some sort. 
Oh, I reckon you do. You're a wealth of knowledge and you're local to the area. So we have it's another one of these stories that we've got some exceptional people doing exceptional things around here and it should be celebrated. So thanks for sparing us some time today. Well, we really appreciate it. I would have appreciated it more if you gave away some of your secret spots, but I'm not going to push you. <laughs> no, Dana, I'm not really sure exactly where I'm going for the open end. I've got two or three spots picked out. But remember, if you are going cod fishing, you will need a New South Wales um, or Victorian fishing license, depending on where you are. Mm. Um, there are bag and size limits. If you drop into the local tackle shop, um, they'll have probably a free booklet and maybe even a measuring sticker for you to have a look at. Yep. Women's uh, Store have got all those, and they've got New South Wales fishing licences and all the, the measuring tools and booklets. And that's it. And they usually got tackle and like I said, local information. So, you know, abide by the rules. Do the right thing because um, our fish have taken a little bit of a hit and it would be just nice to see their numbers grow and hopefully in the next flood we have a really good feeding event and we get back to what it used to be. I can tell you, I started my cod fishing around the Robinvale area. It always has been one of my favourite locations for giant cod. Um, it's changed a bit in the last 10 years. I'd like to see it get back to where it was because um, it's unbeknownst to the public, the tourism dollars that roll into town by cod fishermen chasing these big fish. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and it is, it's a beautiful stretch, beautiful, beautiful stretch of river, even if you're not fishing. It's fantastic. You've got the deep, cool water above above the lock and then you pop down below the lock at Euston and you've got that shallower path of running water. So it offers you, you know, all different sorts of um, styles, wrangling and, and water. To, mm. to search, you know? Plenty of camping, plenty of that's exactly right. We were out camping on the weekend and it's just, there's nothing like it. It's just sensational. So uh, with any luck, we might see you around these parts over the, in a couple of weeks' time, Rod. No worries, Dad. I'll probably <laughs> I'll pop up fairly often, so mm. you're Well, you did say downstream of Yarrawonga and we are downstream of Yarrawonga, just a <laughs> long way. <laughs> you're correct. <laughs> Thank you very much for your time today, Rod. Really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you, Joe. We are indeed lucky to live our lives on this part of the Murray River and of course we do need to look after it but we should also be out there enjoying it. There's rules and regulations in place with regard to camping and enjoying the river and you can find them on the Parks Victoria website which we'll put on our website as well. We're also very lucky to have another internationally recognised professional living locally amongst us and he's kindly agreed to have another chat to us again next week or whenever he's able to really because he really just loves chatting about fishing and the beautiful, iconic Murray Cod. A shout out to our two new patrons this week, Vicky and Rosa. Thank you for your support. If you'd like to support the show, head to patreon.com forward slash The Vale Podcast and you can make a small pledge each month to help keep this podcast going. If your business would like to advertise or sponsor us, then head to our website, thevalepodcast.com.au and hit up the sponsors page. Thanks for listening to The Vale Podcast. Remember to support our sponsors and shop local. Subscribe at thevalepodcast.com.au.